Hello and welcome to Potternot, a podcast for new and returning readers with conflicted Harry Potter feelings. I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am a reluctant fan. I am Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a tired fan. And I'm Zoe, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a jaded fan. And this week, we will dive into the good and the bad of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, chapters 27 and 28, Padfoot Returns, and The Madness of Mr. Crouch. The C-plot thickens. (laughs) (laughs) There is one plot, and it is... There's like a a very minimal A-plot with the... uh third task being explained yeah, they go see the maze for i don't know what reason i don't know why that vignette is in these chapters but it is i to get it's... harry outside so that he can see the madness of mr crouch i guess well that um but also i think it's just like telling like telling them what they have coming so yeah they, they were told yeah. that they would know ahead of time so they could prepare so i think yeah this i mean is i know why it's here in like time it just doesn't fit with no, the rest of the chapter content mm-hmm. at all. So we were chatting slightly before we started recording, and um, Adela and I were saying, well, mostly Adela, I didn't really say, but Adela was saying that like these chapters are really pulling her in, and yeah. that she enjoyed them. And yeah. E, you were saying <laughs> that that wasn't necessarily the case. I am a grump. <laughs> <laughs> You are a grumpy fan. I am. I maybe I'll change it what to a, that. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think that it is hard for me to get pulled in by this book because I haven't read it before. Like my uh, pre-existing bias against the author is like making it harder to just enjoy things yeah because like i don't have a pre-existing memory of loving this story and so i'm reading but every other paragraph i'm like oh i hate the reader skater thing or i hate the house elf thing or there's all these little things that are just like yeah i guess i am being pulled in because i've read it so many times because I, i i realized as i was like reading and getting pulled into it and feeling like I just want to finish the book. It, the reason why I just want to finish the book is because I know everything that's going to happen after this and I want to just see it all happen. <laughs> so I understand not knowing what's going to happen and having yeah. that. I mean, like, I'm enjoying the plot overall. It just, I don't know, I keep getting pulled out of it. Yeah. Like pulled out of the moment by the things that are frustrating. That's, that has been my experience through the whole book, but not in these chapters as much. These chapters, I was like, okay, I can just ignore the the house elf bit, and then the rest of it, I can focus on the parts yeah, that I like. I, just, I refuse but. to perceive that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I'm I'm actually splitting the difference between the two of you. I am ready to sort of like see all the mysteries wrapped up, and and I'm reading so much slower than I ever have before. Yeah. And I feel like I'm catching things that I didn't before. There are mm. like little scenes and little ways of thinking about the scenes that I feel like I, I never thought about certain things before and things bother me more, but yeah. also I'm even more eager than I ever have been to see the mystery wrapped up 
partly because we're taking our time. It's definitely a factor of how slowly we're going. Because I feel like even if I was, you know, even in the year 2021, if I was just reading this through, like, you know, in a day, which would probably be about the amount of time it would take me to read about this, you know, for junior readers, like, I would not be as frustrated because things would just go by quickly. Yeah. Um, But now that I have two weeks to marinate on frustrations oh no this Rita Skeeter stuff really sucks instead of just getting over it in a day Mm -hmm. you know yeah that said um there were no sports in this chapter which is sad for me because that's the part that I love most about this book is what I'm discovering but there is the prelude to sport There's the prelude to to what the third task an obstacle is course, which is, in my opinion, the best of the tasks, just in concept. Yeah, yeah, it is the best, <laughs> and the makes the most sounds the most like a tournament task should yeah. be in this world. Very classic. The hedge maze was the first task we did when we did a triwizard tournament at my university. We made nice. it. We did hedge maze task. Which was yeah. full of uh, Death Eaters because we just felt like it putting Death Eaters in it for people to fight. And just like I was other one of students them. who had yeah. to be. That was me. Yeah. I was one of them. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I guess we can sort of dive in. We all took very short notes. Uh, this is the first two chapter chunk in this book in quite some time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's not like, there's a lot of different small scenes in here but there's not like a lot yeah i think one of the things just looking through our notes we've got a few themes that maybe we can go theme by theme um a a running theme in my notes is mrs weasley and i definitely want to be talking about mrs weasley because i have some yeah i want to hear what thoughts about mrs weasley and then snape and how much we want to launch him directly into the sun Uh uh-huh um, and then Rita Skeeter and Hermione stuff. Rita Skeeter and Hermione stuff, and then the rise of fascism. Yeah. There's like four themes here. I mean, maybe start with the Rita Skeeter and Hermione stuff because that would lead into the Mrs. Weasley stuff. So, um. <laughs> once again, we are uh, treated to Draco Malfoy saving an article to annoy Harry with. Except this time, although it's pansy this time to annoy Hermione specifically, but yeah, not to say it's any less gay. It's just <laughs> yeah. There's a very unnecessary comment about Pansy's appearance in that scene. Mm-hmm. We just I we've we've been over this before, but there is no need to equate like not being attractive with being evil. Mm-hmm. You do not need to connect those things. Yeah. Yep. Um, she does it with Snape multiple times in this section also yeah so rita skeeter has written this article her second about hermione apparently which is like she's found out that hermione and crumb are dating and is using it to be like oh harry potter's girlfriend doesn't like him anymore what's he gonna do and it sucks and then hermione gets hate mail from adults First of all, she gets insulted by the Slytherin students. Then, then by, by Snape, Snape himself in front of the article class. out loud after chastising the Gryffindors for reading the article. Mm-hmm. And is 
purposefully teasing is the wrong word humiliating purposefully yes. humiliating a student like he knows that she has been humiliated in this way before because yeah this happened very recently just before his class yeah with the mm-hmm. tooth like this is he knows that the report of the article is not true yeah, yeah. well i mean the crumb part is true but he knows he know i snape knows that rita skater doesn't write like <laughs> yeah real stuff yeah true things like he knows this is a tabloid article. Yes, which purposes. is uh, there's a there's a line in this chapter. So Hermione gets put into the center of this as someone who is like basically double timing these two men, right? And supposedly, supposedly, and she is sort of stuck because. The stuff about Crumb is true. He did say he's never felt this way before. He did ask her to come visit him in Bulgaria. And so there's some truth. Yeah, she is rightfully upset because the details of her personal life are being revealed and she doesn't know how they got out. Yeah. And so there's a lot going on here with that. But also there's a line where... uh, it's Easter and Percy has sent back a letter along with the Mrs. Weasley chocolates. And the line that Ron says earlier when they're reading the article is that Rita Skeeter has made Hermione into a scarlet woman, which means prostitute. Yeah. Like, let's not beat around the bush here. That's, that's what Ron means. And that's what that phrase means. And I mean, the history behind it, is probably connected to a couple of different things. It's connected to the Scarlet Letter. It's connected to the Red Light District. But mm-hmm. Ron is saying that Mrs. Weasley would view Hermione as, let's call it a, a trollop. Let's use some, some older language here, yeah. right? And then when Mrs. Weasley sends the chocolates, she sends an egg that's the size of a chicken egg rather than what an ostrich egg full of chocolate to each of them. And it just reinforces that, like, I would kind of expect Ron to be scandalized by the whole thing with Hermione because Ron is in love with Hermione. Yeah. But for him to actually be right about what his mother thinks in that... Yeah. But what Ron said, the point of what I was trying to get here on three different mind things, Mrs. Weasley reads Witch Weekly for the recipes. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to one of those things about JKR's lack of world building, which is like, this is a women's magazine that is also a gossip magazine because she cannot imagine a world in which a women's magazine is not a gossip magazine. Yeah. And so there's so many different anti-feminist things going on here. So many. There's the, what Mrs. Weasley, a character who we are supposed to admire and think of as a good mother, although we have already talked about how that's not true, saying these things about a main character in the book who we know to be being wronged here. Yeah. And who she personally knows. like, And who she personally knows and should trust. She would, even if she didn't know specifically, like, she would know that Hermione and Harry have not been in a relationship. Yeah. Like, she would know that this is untrue. Also, people know when they're reading tabloid writing. Well... Not in this world. Just like as a whole, and that's something you should keep in mind moving forward also. This world does not differentiate. 
Yeah. yeah. She created a world without tabloids and gossip magazines. There is another magazine that you will read later that is uh, one that people do not believe, but For it's not a tabloid thing. That's, yeah, a very different <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, Hermione's getting hate mail. I just want to note that. Yeah, she literally gets hate mail from random newspaper readers. And she's 15. And that it's just, it's very, it's very, it's very uh, accurate to the way, like, like child actors get treated. Yeah. You know, like when, when, or anyone, any like teenage girl who is in the public eye. Yeah. Does Hogwarts not have a mail filtering system? I mean, no, you just get owls just go directly to you. That seems so awful and dangerous. So this is the return of Bubbo Tuber Puss. Especially after this incident, you think they would do something, but it doesn't seem like the Hogwarts has done anything after that incident with the Boobotuber Puss. Yeah, Boobotuber is what I think we decided (laughs) it was. And there's a reason for that. So shout out to listener Zach who pointed out that Boobotuber coming from Boobos that you get when you have the plague which would mean it would be Boobotuber and not Bubbotuber. So thank you, Zach. Um, anyway, yeah, Return of Bubbotuber. <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's so many things wrong. Mrs. Weasley will yeah. actually show up soon. That's not a spoiler. Yeah. So you'll actually get to see sort of an interaction. Cool. With her and Hermione, yeah. Yeah, the worst part of this to me is that it is looped in with the house elf thing in Hermione's reaction. And the implication is that she is overreacting. To everything. To everything and to the literally having her personal life published in the largest newspaper and getting harassed for it. It is not possible to overreact to. Side note, I just remembered, I know this is in the next, or like in a little bit when Mrs. Weasley arrives, but there, I just remembered that the only reason why she stops being angry at Hermione is because Harry tells her that there was never anything between them, which is just a case of never listening to a girl when she Mm -hmm. tells her own story, but listening to a boy when he explains the exact same thing. Yeah, I think in that case, Hermione doesn't actually try to explain it, but yes, 100%. Yeah, Mrs. Weasley doesn't back down. She's, like, rude to Hermione, and it's it's really gross until Harry pulls her aside and is like, hey, you know that Hermione and I have never dated. She's like a sister to me. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the Rita Skeeter ongoing issue and also the Mrs. Weasley issue. When I was in college, I've mentioned this before, I wrote, I did an independent study on young adult literature, and my final paper was on mothers in sort of finales of series about young adults. And so I read, um, oh, E, what's the final one in Narnia? Uh, The Last Battle, I think is the last one. Yeah, I read The Last Battle. I read this. I read something else. I can't remember now. I read three or four books and did a a fairly in-depth literary criticism study on mothers. And you'll know why as we get to the end of this series mothers are increasingly important but you already know how important mothers are right like lily is constantly brought up and mrs weasley and all these things yeah i mean harry's mother is going to come back in a plot relevant way right which you already know because you know about snape it is impossible not to know yes and 
I think in when I was reading it in college, I had a lot of difficulties with some of the writing, but I wasn't thinking as critically about sort of the underlying issues with Mrs. Weasley. And now I am. <laughs> and I'm frustrated. I'm so frustrated. Mm-hmm. Because this is a woman who is so powerful in her own right and has so much understandable trauma from the first war, which also we get to hear about from Sirius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who is just so retrograde in her description and in her characterization. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that, like, you actually hear a little bit about when she was at Hogwarts and she was apparently, like, a little bit of a rule breaker and all these different things. And yeah. It's just so frustrating to me. It's the, it's a, it's just, it's a, it goes back to the way that JKR writes women and, like, thinks yeah. about what women are like and should be like because... Mrs. Weasley could be this like incredible character and she is sometimes and it's just but it's only sometimes yeah <laughs> so so that's the first two of our big themes here is Rita Skeeter and Mrs. Weasley uh Snape is the worst we already said that um yeah we kind of covered that as well he also threatens to use Verita Serum on Harry while also saying out loud that it is restricted Return of the use of illegal things on students. Remember uh-huh. how that has already happened? Yeah, this is a casual threat. Yeah, use of uh, unforgivable curses on students, use of restricted potions on students. Hey, E, what do you think of the name Veritaserum? Uh, not bad. Eight out of ten. Okay, excellent. I happen to agree. That one's, that one's not bad. I think it sounds good. It's a good sounding word. Veritas is a word that... Uh, that that blend is not too bad. It's it's literal in a good way. It is a plot hole. It is a major plot hole. Yeah. There's a couple <laughs> plot holes in here. I mean, he doesn't know what legitimacy is yet, but I, like, basically, I don't think it's a spoiler really to say that Snape can read minds. Oh, yeah, Snape can read read minds, so he doesn't need that potion. But is that less illegal? Uh, it is not regulated. Oh, I mean, it's morally bad, but... I don't think it's ever... I don't think we ever know whether legitimacy is... What the regulations are around it, if there is any. It Um, is a difficult skill to learn, and very few people can do it, as far as we understand. And it is a thing that we do not learn that it exists until the next book, so that's why it's a plot hole in this book. Yeah. (laughs) There's a few of those. Um, So I guess we have the next bit, Let's talk about... Serious? Elves or serious? Oh, I do not want to acknowledge the house elf scene. I feel like we have covered house elves enough in this season of the podcast. Um, yeah. In this book, like, there's nothing more we can say. We'll have there. There will be more things. Like, it's going to keep happening, and we are going to have to keep talking about it. But in this book so far, I don't think that there's more we can say. Yeah. In, about this uh, scene. So, uh, added with an extra fun layer of uh, bad portrayals of alcohol abuse. Yes. Yeah. Very boring, bad portrayal. Let's talk about Sirius because we love Sirius. We Back. love Sirius. I do want to point out a quick plot hole, though. So, okay. going back to Snape, um, Snape has a conversation with Karkaroff during class, and the kids tell Sirius about this conversation with Karkaroff. And 
we have already talked about the placement of dark marks on the human body. Yeah. And so this is not a spoiler. Yeah. Sirius should fucking know what it is that Harry and etc. You would definitely know. Like yeah. everyone of that generation know. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and the fact that we know that Karkaroff is suspected of being a Death Eater. If Harry and Ron and Hermione were like, yeah, Karkaroff showed Snape something on his arm. Sirius should have been like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I know what this means. Yeah. I know where what it is. That wouldn't have taken away anything from the drama of that conversation. Like, that would have been a good addition to that conversation, is Sirius's reaction like to that. I the author is trying to, like, leave it more unsure whether that's Snape definitely what it, it is or not. yeah but didn't the author also like wasn't there a specific reference to snape snape like, grabbed his arm his in, arm? The, in the uh, scene in the corridor yeah so like the pieces are here yeah and it just seems ridiculous once you've read the books or know the story it's absolutely ridiculous that sirius wouldn't know immediately what this is and immediately yeah. reach out to dumbledore who clearly knows that he's here yeah. yeah like it would it's one thing for the kids to not know because like why would they know like obviously the weasleys have not told their kids yeah why doesn't Sirius anything. tell dumbledore when the kids tell him about karkaroff's what karkaroff's saying like i feel like Sirius would wait doesn't don't wait hang on well we, we might answer this for ourselves when we finish the book but i was like i, I know that Sirius and dumbledore are corresponding yes yeah and, like, Dumbledore is probably keeping an eye on Karkaroff, so. Yeah, <laughs> but. an eye on everything. I, but. Think, I think Sirius doesn't trust that Dumbledore trusts Snape. Yeah. And so he may not trust Dumbledore to do anything. Yeah, I, I, I would believe that. Like, so you think that he, Sirius saying, like, because Sirius says to the kids, there is still the fact that Dumbledore trusts Snape and we have to tr trust that kind of. You do, think, do you think that's just Sirius trying to reassure the kids and not him yes. actually believing it? Uh, I think he's probably correct. I think Dumbledore is trusting of... No, Sir Dumbledore definitely trusts Snape. I'm just saying, like, Sirius does not... doesn't agree with Dumbledore, but is saying is making it sound like he does agree with Dumbledore, yeah. sort of. <laughs> I think he's saying that because he wants the kids not to worry and specifically yeah. Harry not to worry. But mm -hmm. I think that in, in the Doyleist reading, he would immediately go to Dumbledore. Yeah. Right. And be like, what the fuck, man? And Dumbledore would be like, don't worry about it. And then Sirius would have no recourse. Other important things that, ha there are a lot of important things that happen in this conversation. Zoe and I both pointed out the, the line, just to keep in mind for the next book, which is, uh, if you want to know what a man's like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. Yeah. That's Pretty what he's line. talking about, House Elves and Mr. Crouch. It is a good line. It's a good line that um, we will see tested. Yes. Yeah. And then there's just a lot more context for what the world was like yeah. when Voldemort was in power last. Yeah, that was a really well-written... It's a really description interesting... of the rise of fascism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The ores were given new powers, powers to kill rather than capture, for instance. So here's my question. Yeah. Yeah. So ores are like the combination of FBI and cops, but specific, like they specifically have one job, as far as we know, which well, is yeah, 
countering dark magic. Yeah, in the fandom, that encompasses just crime in general, and they are just yeah. cops. But in the books, it's always described as countering dark magic. Yeah, because there's also, like, the magical law enforcement squad or whatever is not just Aurors. There's yeah. just yeah. regular cops also. So, who you I never hear it- about. Also, side note, all the co- like the, the, the whole police state of... It is a police state. Like, the police yeah. are, are part of the government anyway. Oh, yeah. I think it is interesting. And this is all very messy because the author doesn't really know what she's doing. But I think it's interesting that the Aurors being given powers to kill rather than capture in specifically a fight against fascism is presented as, like, the beginning of, like, a downfall. And it, I don't, I mean, I'm I'm reading too much into this, but I'm reading into it because of, like, how, for example, 2020 just happened. Yeah. And the whole conversation about anti-fascist violence and mm-hmm. is it, should you counter fascist violence with violence? I have two responses to that, specifically with, with regards to the book. Yeah. One is when Sirius is talking about that, he's also talking about like no one knowing who is actually a Death Eater. And like he's saying, like the power, having the power to kill rather than capture is not a good thing because, for example, Sirius got sent to prison without a trial. Starting, I didn't read the, um, Crouch's violence as being the start of his downfall. I read his, I read his downfall being specifically tied to his son. Not. Mm, I don't know. I because he was. I think without the scandal of what happened with his son, he would have probably still become. He would have become the minister for magic. That's fair. I I was thinking of like a character, like where his character started getting. Okay, corrupted. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because Sirius says. Um, Crouch fought violence with violence and authorized the use of the unforgivable curses against suspects. I would say he became as ruthless and cruel as many on the dark side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It became very clear that he's not a good person. Yeah. Which I know is a silly thing to say, but I think it's maybe important to say anyway. The description of the way that things were, I think, is important. Yes. First of all, serious, good adult in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Bad adult in different ways that we will get to later um, in not this book. <laughs> uh-huh. In this book, he's great. In this book, he's, he's genuinely really fantastic for a lot of really great reasons. And in this case, the thing that I, I really like is that Ron gets really frustrated and he says, you know, adults always tell us we're not ready to hear it. We're not ready to hear it just try us. And Sirius is like, yeah, all right. Here's what it was like. And then he gives the description. So shout out to Sirius for like trusting burgeoning teens who need to know this information. Mm -hmm. But the description that he gives is genuinely terrifying. And something that we have heard before from Mr. Weasley, um, Mr. Weasley. Exactly. So, Imagine that Voldemort's powerful now. You don't know who his supporters are. You don't know who's working for him and who isn't. You know he can control people so they do terrible things without being able to stop themselves. 
You're scared for yourself and your family and your friends. Every week, news comes of more deaths, more disappearances, more torturing. The Ministry of Magic is in, dis in disarray. They don't know what to do. They're trying to keep everything hidden from the muggles. But meanwhile, the muggles are dying too. Terror everywhere, panic, confusion. That's how it used to be. Yeah. The description that he gives here is a prelude to what comes in these books. And I think mm -hmm. is one of the better written descriptions of what is very realistically the rise of fascism, fascism. Yeah. and basically white nationalism at the same mm -hmm. time. And in this case, fighting against each other. Yeah. Which I think is a, yeah. is the really, really interesting thing, right? The Ministry of Magic is going fascistic, but they're doing it to try and prevent essentially Nazis. Yeah. And so there is the two evils don't make a, a right, right? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> maybe don't become a fascist country. But also I think the reason that this book has sort of the W of Crouch that the two of you were just talking about is because it's, in her view, just as important to stop the Nazis yeah. in any way possible. The ends justify yeah. the means, sort of how Mr. Crouch viewed it. And he is vilified for other reasons by the end of the book, but not necessarily for his treatment of people during the height of Voldemort's reign. Yeah. And that's interesting to me, especially given the rest of the series. And I think that there's something to be, something to be said for this paragraph as sort of a big indication of what's to come in terms of how people feel about things, not necessarily plot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious, and this may be something we learn more about later in the series. Like, what was the, like, what was the power structure that would have been put in place? by Voldemort. In, by Voldemort or against Voldemort? By him. Like, was he also creeping, like, authoritarianism? Like, I mean, Voldemort would have killed all muggles. He would have... He would have performed genocide. Right. No, what I'm thinking about is, like, we see, like, the Ministry becoming a fascist state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if the author intended for Voldemort to also be so we will see this we will see this in the later books um because it's it no okay he, well he 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 obviously he's fascist but not a fascist dictator because he does not want to be the minister for magic he wants to be out there doing the stuff he wants to be out there doing the stuff from the shadows so that everyone is terrified of him <laughs> and not be the public like face of it. Um, he, also tr he has trusted advisors in a way that makes him not a dictator. It's a lot more like a king <laughs> or an emperor type he of has thing a, he situation. Has a sure. Yeah. I think... I don't know the answer to your question. I think it's, yeah. is where I'm going to land. Just, I think it had not been clear to me as an outsider to this series before this point that the author's fascism allegory and her Nazism allegory were not the same. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes. 
That is true. Her fascism allegory is government and her Nazi allegory Although is... you will... Like, that is right now, it is very clear that they are two different things, but they do blend. They will they blend. Very Completely blend. Completely blend. Sure. Like, to, yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Serious. <laughs> uh, poor Sirius him, having to relive dog. his... He is a dog. Yeah. Um, and he has to talk about being in Azkaban and yeah, that was really yeah. what life was like there and when Mr. Crouch's son was brought in. Did, okay, did Azkaban exist before Voldemort era? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, I don't remember what the timeline was, but we did read that Azkaban history and it was definitely much older. Azkaban existed... Wasn't it in, like, the 1800s that it got turned yeah, into a prison? Yeah, it got turned into a prison because that's... It was when they decided to start using Dementors as guards. Yeah. But it was a prison even before that. It was just a more escapable yeah. prison. So Azkaban has been around for a long time. They just always had the torture people to death prison. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, the description that Sirius gives of, like, the prisoners slowly dying, terrifying, and the poor yeah. man. It's just, yeah. it's really awful and hard and terrible. Yeah. So, that all said, Sirius does a really good job here of being an adult, and I, I know I've said that already, but I want to keep saying it because we do not have a lot of good adults in this book in a very real <laughs> and frustrating way. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, the only adult in this book who both understands the state of the world and like the stakes yeah of what's going on and is willing to like do something about it and have a serious conversation with them explain it to the people who it's directly going to affect that is a theme yeah. even as Sirius becomes less of a useful adult in specific ways he will always want to include the kids in their own decision making and the reason yeah. for that is because Sirius understands, especially like Harry, he understands that Harry is going to try to find this stuff out anyway. And it's Harry is going to put himself in danger to find this stuff out. Yeah. So it's better to just give him the information so that he has it. And then he can use it. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I do wonder if that comes from like a personal understanding of what it feels like to be targeted. I mean... Yeah, could be. Yes, and also um, this is something that was not said, but I think we can say it, which is that he ran home at 16. Sure. 15, yeah. 16? So I think he also understands what it is like to sort of be without adults that give him information and that he can trust in a way that maybe mm -hmm. other people don't understand. Yeah. Like, Harry isn't running away from home, but he's stuck with the Dursleys, and there's all these aspects of his life that I think Sirius can, right. in some way, relate to. Like, he does not have adults who tell him things. Yeah. Yeah. The only adult who has told him things is Dumbledore, and he does it very carefully and little tiny bits at a time, so... Mostly <laughs> unhelpfully. Uh-huh. Uh, um, shall we time for talk a about... Scene? The mad scene, or should we talk about the Niffler section first? And oh, Niffler's fun. Yeah, let's do Niffler's and Ron. I love Niffler's. They're, they're so one of cute. my favorite magical creatures. So Niffler's are what I picture 
was about to say real life, like Nifflers exist. <laughs> They're soot sprites, right? They're Ghibli soot sprites. Oh. Oh, I was picturing like a mole. I really, yeah, so was I. I really liked, I actually really liked the way they were done in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I know we're not, like, the series, the we hate, but the the way that they made Nifflers in the, those movies, I like a lot. I'm going to find a picture to show you the. Uh, we'll we'll find a picture and we'll toss it onto the Twitter the the Twitter, the Twitter, the Twitter. I was I was literally picturing like a mole or like an armadillo. That's literally yeah. It's like a, a type of mole looking thing here. Here oh, it yeah. is, and they're they're super cute, adorable. Yeah, they're very cute in the movie. The description from the book always makes me think of the soot sprites. Mm -hmm. Let me see if I can find the description. Uh, let's see. I got it. Um, when he got near enough to see inside, he found him looking at a number of fluffy black creatures with long snouts. Their front paws were curiously flat like spades, and they were blinking up at the class, looking politely puzzled at all the attention. Yeah, take a soot sprite and put little mole claws on them. Yeah, and a little snout. Yeah. I just, the way that they're looking up always makes me think of um, the soot sprite description. It's a good class. Mm-hmm. Again, Harry, or Harry can teach good lessons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he can make them, like, interesting and fun for the kids yeah, to learn about magical creatures. Um, Yeah. So then Ron's Ron's Niffler wins. Yeah, and then Ron has a realization about Leprechaun Gold. Mm -hmm. And this is the line that I think I've mentioned before. Yeah, we talked about this line before. Yeah, which is, I hate being poor. Yeah. yeah. And then he elaborates, saying like he understands why. Fred and George are trying to make extra money. Yeah, like, once again, intensely relatable to be, you know, the poor friend who has yeah. a rich friend and being just so frustrated that they don't have to care about money in the way that you do. Yeah, and feeling guilty for receiving gifts. And Ron also has a moment at the beginning here where he's, like, exaggerating his story of being under the lake. Mm -hmm. And he gets a little bit of the taste of sort of the fame that Harry gets all the time. Yeah. And he loves it. Yeah. He loves it. He keeps exaggerating. And it's a really interesting chapter for Ron. Um, I want to shout out. I can't remember if we said this in the last episode or not. I don't think we did. Um, but I wanted to shout out something that um, our friend Will said about Ron. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, I think that it is a a good way of viewing Ron. So we were sort of talking about the fact that we all, we all, that Adela and I and a lot of people who have read these books many times sort of remember Ron fondly, despite the mm -hmm. fact that now on the reread, we really don't like him that much. Right. And so Will says, my theory for why people remember Ron fondly is we've all experienced these awful things. The friend who, you know, abandons us or stops talking to us or whatever in our lives, and a lot of times those friends don't apologize, but Ron always apologized. And in a lot of ways, it's almost an alternative reality for how friendships wouldn't fall apart if our ex-friends were self-aware even a little. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that that's a really interesting way of looking at I it. I really liked that note. Yeah. Because Ron is or becomes self-aware in important moments and apologizes or moves on or whatever in ways that in real life friends don't. And I think we've all had the friend who's like the friend breakup or the friend who ghosts you and you never know why or whatever. Ron has the character development that your ex-friends didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So especially when you're like a teen. Yeah. Like a lot of the arguments or like, you know, fundamental disagreements that these three people have in the series would have ended like friendships in high school. And also I appreciate that Ron, when Ron does apologize and like, or does have self-reflection, it is on his own. Like it's not, it's not because Hermione is trying to mediate or some, or like Harry is trying to mediate. It's because he like has some time to think it over and realizes that he needs to apologize. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's just another thing about Ron. He's, got some interesting moments in this series and we will keep talking about him but since we were on the subject i wanted to mention that one little side note that hagrid is also has also received death threats yeah um, and tells hermione to toss hers in the trash and they can do that except for the howlers that explode at the table which is why <laughs> i think that they should have done the school should have done something after the ubotuber pus inst- incident that line from Hagrid is very fascinating to me because it is not in character for him to be like just chill with yeah. death threats. That's yeah, true. Which makes especially with Hermione too, because he has been like he is totally understands her whole no, but, like, situation for himself. Like literally a chapter ago, he was like breaking down and threatening to leave. Yeah. For the exact same letters. For the exact same reason. Hmm. Yeah, it's a little out of character. It is, to- it is totally possible that he is, like, trying to brush it off as not a big deal. Yeah. But it, it is definitely out of character. It's, it's, it's weird for him to be the, the one that's saying, like, oh, don't let it get to you. Just brush it off. Which, by the way, not a good response to train into people when they're receiving harassment you know that might be what hagrid has been told also yeah he could be parroting it and parroting like and you know where it comes from is probably dumbledore yeah yeah the only person who talks to him yeah we will talk about that in a moment speaking of which should we talk about madness and mr crouch i did not include any chapter art from this section there's a very cute one of padfoot that i might just put in the tweet anyway because yeah. it's it's serious as padfoot with a newspaper in his mouth it's very cute mm-hmm. oh, it's that good one. the chapter art for madness of mr crouch is <sighs> winky mm. oh yeah I, I don't want to see it it's it's drunk winky and i'm just not interested in yeah in putting that chapter out art out there so uh that's about where i'm at um yeah. mr crouch's madness scene e thoughts i don't like madness as a plot device i i think it is um i mean i am not someone who's experienced psychosis nor do i have um like direct experience with 
like interacting with someone having a psychotic episode, but I I doubt this is portrayed well. I do, and it is not. Yeah. Yeah. But I will also say that this chapter is called The Madness of Mr. Crouch, and Harry thinks that Mr. Crouch is bad in this scene, but we learn later that he is not actually. Yeah. That is not a psychotic break that is happening here. There is magical right. stuff happening here. Yeah. I'm I'm sure. Regardless. The language is still bad and ableist. Yeah. Right. Even if this is magic and not mental illness, it is still a bad stereotype of psychosis. Yeah. Yeah. It is a rough chapter in a lot of ways, um, but it is a chapter in which we open the mystery plots. <laughs> we say sure it's mystery do. plot time. The C plot has become cement. <laughs> yes. This is this is going to be a major focus, as you may have guessed. Yeah. Um, basically from now on, because this is main mystery time. Yeah, we're getting into it. We've, we've hit the two-thirds mark. It's time for the plot to get going. It's time for Harry to become a detective. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Detective Harry. Detective Harry. So here's my question. Has Harry not learned the stupefy <laughs> spell? No, he has not. Nope. nope. Has Crumb? Yes. Crumb I mean- should... Crumb should know this. Harry explicitly learns stupefy in like two chapters. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, he doesn't know it. Okay. Because I feel like between a fourth year student and a student who's like um like Graduating. older than yeah. a, a graduate, they should know some way to like Oh, pacify. Harry absolutely knows a way to pacify crouch right like it doesn't even have to be a stupefy spell yeah. he could do it with like the tickling charm and then crouch wouldn't be able to move right there's a lot of things that he and crumb could have done um, yeah that yeah. have nothing to do with stupefy but i think they also neither of them were thinking about like they 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 don't they have sympathy for mr crouch in this scene yeah, they don't want I mean, to I like attack him he, with magic right i understand why he doesn't because like he doesn't consider he doesn't consider Crouch a threat. Yeah. He's like, we need to get help for him. Yeah. Which is a good and kind impulse, which I understand. Yes, that is Harry. Good and kind impulse. Not always smart. <laughs> but not the wisest one. Not the wisest man in the world. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of mystery happening. Yeah. E... Do you have any thoughts about the mystery and sort of the situation that unfolds here? So Crouch shows up, Harry runs to get Dumbledore, is waylaid by Snape. Dumbledore shows up, they run to Crouch, and then Moody shows up and Hagrid shows up. That's sort Crouch of the situation. Crouch is gone situation. and Crumb is stunned. Yeah. Um, also, the, like, what Crouch was talking about, he was going back and forth between, between thinking that he was talking to Percy and just having a normal conversation and then when he was actually more lucid asking for Dumbledore and saying that Bertha Jorkins is dead and that Harry Potter is something about Harry Potter. Yeah. Having a normal conversation out of time though because he yes. keeps mentioning his son who we know died in Azkaban. Right. Yeah, way before Percy was in there at all in the picture yeah. at all. So he but he's talking still talking to Percy about it cuz so it's just a yeah, it's in a positive light. He's talking about how many OWLs his son got. Like, it's an interesting, yeah. 
like it's theoretically a normal conversation, except for the fact that he's clearly not something about whether you want to call it psychosis or a spell or whatever it is, is screwing with him in, in multiple ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, E, do you have any, any mystery thoughts or any ideas about where this could be heading? Give us your thoughts, E. <laughs> Big mystery thoughts or predictions. Yeah, I think I don't, you know, there's more puzzle pieces on the table than there used to be, but I don't know where it's going. I don't know. I don't know where this one is going. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I, I don't have a sense of, like, I mean, I know who the major players are, right? Right. But, like, I don't know what happens from here. Yeah. So I think that it's worth saying that some of the other mysteries you can kind of figure out on your own, but this sure. is a Columbo. This is, this is a Columbo. And by that, I mean, it's a, how does Columbo know he done it? Not yeah. a who done it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause that's always the thing with Poirot and Columbo and, and all these places is especially with some like Agatha Christie Poirot stuff is uh, at the end, Poirot knows more than the audience did. So there's yes. no guarantee that the audience could figure it out. This is one of those mysteries. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Like there's, I, I, we are seeing all the clues because we know the book. And E is seeing all the clues and being like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And like, even in a mystery, so, <laughs> there's, this is a side tangent that you can cut out, Adela, but I think it might be interesting just in this conversation, which is my mother is actually translating a book from Hebrew into English for me. It happens to be a mystery. But inside this mystery, there is a character who is giving lectures about the structure of mystery stories. And the contract that the author has with the readers, which is I will present things that you will be able to use to figure out what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And these books are not really mysteries. So there is no contract there. Right. And I also think that books one through three are much more mystery than this book. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was going to say, actually, this reminds me of the sort of middle of book two, where, mm -hmm. like, you've got, like, spiders. And you're like, what the hell do I do with that <laughs> information? Yeah. Like, there's no way that a reader, you know, going through that book for the first time is going to say... Oh, ah, yes, I understand why the spiders are related. Yeah. Right, like, how would you possibly put that information in place? Basically, if Hermione doesn't have to run to the library because she understands what's going on, it's not a mystery that you should know how to figure out. And <laughs> yeah. in books one through three, she runs to the library because she figures out what's going on. Hey, she'll do that pretty soon, but it's not a, not related to the yes. big C plot. So, <laughs> for for a different plot, she does that. But for the big plot, that doesn't happen, which means yeah. you don't have to know. But it is there are obvious like hanging clues in these chapters, right? So, I'm just going to be very curious to see E's reaction to the rest of the book. <laughs> Ooh, same. Yeah, I like I I have bits but i don't have any knowledge of what happens in this book i don't have any knowledge of what happens in any of the remainder of these books like i know about the tournament arc but other than that i do not know what happens very exciting any, to me yes in any detailed Same. way <laughs> i think that that's going to be really cool to 
to watch watch you read and find out. Also, uh, this would be one where e, I would be it would I would love if you wanted to do a commentary in the chat while you're reading the last few <laughs> chapters. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, let me know when I should start. <laughs> you should start, I can tell you. Just the last section. Probably not next section, but the yeah, next one after that. chapter 31, okay. the third task. Onward. Um, you're going to want to probably do All that. Right. Yeah. For, yeah. Should I make a All new right. channel just for ease? Uh... <laughs> um, yeah, subscribe to our Patreon where I will be live. <laughs> <laughs> Ease live blog thoughts and our reviews of Alan Rickman movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that other than some like weird, gross inter-European xenophobia that happens, that's sort of the whole chapter. Yeah, chunk. there's this weird turn at the end of like, oh, everyone hates each other more. Yeah, yeah. Although the champions like each other more now. Yeah, yeah. Like significantly, which is the goal of the. Ch- supposedly the goal of the tournament the champions are all on good terms together yeah literally every adult takes this tournament more seriously than the champions yeah they're just like we're here to have a good time and hopefully not die because (laughs) hopefully not die and they're like you must win this for mother england (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ it's so true though uh-huh. Um, I just want to, this is going to end on a sad note, but I, I just want to point out, um, we had talked about Hagrid and his, and Dumbledore's potential manipulation of Hagrid. Adela brought that up a f- episode or two ago. Yeah. Ooh, the end of this chapter. Yeah. Do you want to read the thing that you were referring to? Karkaroff spat onto the ground at Dumbledore's feet. In one swift movement, Hagrid seized the front of Karkaroff's furs, lifted him into the air, and slammed him against a nearby tree. Apologize, Hagrid snarled as Karoff Caps gasped for breath, Hagrid's massive fist at his throat, his feet dangling in midair. Hagrid, no! Dumbledore shouted, his eyes flashing. So then Hagrid removes his hands. Dumbledore tells Hagrid to bring Harry up to the castle. And so Hagrid is talking to Harry now. How dare he? Hagrid growled as they strode past the lake. How dare he accuse Dumbledore? Like Dumbledore do anything like that. Like Dumbledore wanted you in the tournament in the first place. Worried. I don't know when I I seen Dumbledore more worried than he'd been lately. And you, what were you doing wandering, wandering off with Ruddy Crumb? The extent to which Hagrid is, is blindly following Dumbledore here is like a little yeah. frightening. Yeah. And in fact, Harry thinks so too. Hagrid was in such a bad mood. Harry was sure, was quite glad to say goodbye to him in front of the fat lady. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, uh. It was, I had t- totally forgotten about this scene when I was talking about Dumbledore and Hagrid before. And I, yeah. I don't even think he's following Dumbledore in this scene. Like, Dumbledore doesn't really no. do to elicit. It's not that him following Dumbledore, it's just him having complete. It's his devotion to Dumbledore. Yeah. Devoted. Absolutely devoted. And it's just... To the point where, like, it activates his dislike for Karkaroff and makes him, like, snap about Maxime. And Crumb. It's the same instinct that caused Hagrid to put a pigtail on Dudley. Yes. Yeah. Um, And it's a really ugly side of Hagrid that I think is kind of gross <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um but i think understandable given what we had talked about about how Hag- haggard was raised and the fact that dumbledore sort of 
save is the wrong word, but sort of saved him, yeah. et cetera. Um, yeah. So there is some interesting. Hagrid has character flaws that are in character and not uh, not lovable flaws. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's true of every character. Like, we don't love to praise J.K.R.'s writing here, but I think that that is something that is done well. It's like every character All has All characters some, have flaws, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's nobody perfect. Yeah. Except, I think, in her mind, Dumbledore. But yeah. I think you would all argue. <laughs> oh, absolutely, in her mind. I cannot imagine how she thinks Dumbledore is perfect. Like, I cannot put myself in that headspace. I mean, she doesn't... I, she thinks he's perfect now. Like, she does go into his past and, like, show that he had flaws, but... Was gay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's how she views it. That's the the one flaw of Dumbledore in J.K.R.'s eyes, is the one that she made up after the series was over. Yeah, I, I think that we are in sort of the the big push to the end here. Yeah. And there's a lot to, there's a lot of interesting things to come. Yeah. Um, we will see more serious, which I enjoy. I mm-hmm. did just put the picture of Padfoot into our chat. Big Very puppy. good. And he good boy. I, I really enjoy, there's one line. I think we can. It's really it. funny. Oh, wait, go, go ahead. Is it the fact that he allows each of them to yes. pat him on the head? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. It's like, just imagine just like patting your uncle on the head or whatever. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> it's such a uh, funny line. Um, like he allowed he each of them. Enjoy being a dog. He does enjoy being a dog. Oh, he's, he's like, so I'm a lovable stray. A Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he fucking loves it. And I think that the, Fan fiction has really run with him enjoying being a dog. Um, yeah. I haven't read an enormous amount of Wolfstar fanfic, which is I uh, need to serious. read the, the new mm-hmm. one that has been going crazy lately. I need to read it because I've heard it's so good in terms of going into like, well, it's it's a Lupin centered story and really delves into actually using werewolf as a metaphor and because it's also written by someone who has AIDS it's a really I've heard it's a really good and I would like to read it it's also really long it's like three books long but <laughs> that's the that's the best kind of fanfic yeah truly uh, it's called on all the young dudes by the way if anyone was wondering what I'm talking about um... but I think that there is a lot to be said for the there's just a lot to be said for the fanfic around Sirius that enjoys him yeah. having fun as a dog, because I think that there that's part of why you would choose that animagus form, right? Is yeah. you would want to choose something that you would enjoy being. And Sirius deserves to have fun. Yeah, he does. If you would like to follow along with us, the next chapters we will be reading, <laughs> we will be reading two chapters again. It's another short but dense section uh, the dream and the pensive, or pensive, or pensive, depending on how who you are and how you. I always it. call so. it pensive, but yeah, yeah, but pensive. Uh, you can follow the show at Potternot on Twitter and Tumblr. Please uh, start thinking of questions for our book four wrap up. It'll you know be a couple months away still, but definitely get those question ideas brewing. 
You can find me on Twitter at CEL10E. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Aredel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. And you can still buy my game. It'll still be yeah. linked below. Do it. Support the Kickstarter. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z, and buy my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are sold. Um, if you have a question that has a spoiler in it, just a reminder to please send, send it to our Tumblr. Uh, otherwise, just add us on Twitter or reply to the episode tweets. You can also find more music by Morgan Jackson, who did our theme, at wedidthetimewarpagain.bandcamp.com. Um, we will also be watching the fourth movie, I believe. Yeah, relatively soon. So feel free to come up with questions about that as well. Yeah, definitely. If you have questions that you would like us to answer about the fourth movie, send those in as well. Just let us know whether you're talking about the movie or the book with your question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All okay. right. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye.